0: Good morning. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you look really good today. Tell them that. And then turn to your other neighbor and try to explain to them why you didn't tell them first. Might be a little awkward. How many of you like a comeback story? Anybody in the house like a comeback story, just a good comeback story? I know I do. Uh, You don't see a lot of, of great comeback stories anymore but any of the the sports enthusiasts in the room, last week, we got to watch a pretty amazing comeback story unfold. Uh, If there's any golfers in the house, we got to watch Tiger Woods win the Masters. And that that was pretty cool. Yeah, give it up for Tiger. All right. Here's the deal though, if I was just being honest, I wasn't a big Tiger fan. Like earlier in his career, I didn't really like the guy. Uh, I mean, he was beating like guys like Phil Mickelson. I like those guys. Like I, every once in a while, you just see Tiger. I didn't like his attitude. Every once in a while, the camera would catch him cussing. On, and I was like, man, this is a game of golf and it's a gentleman's sport and all this. And and uh, but I, I couldn't. Nobody could say that the guy wasn't amazing. Like he he was amazing. And then all of a sudden, everything came crashing around him. Like. And it was, it was out in public. It was on every news channel. The overhead view of his house, his cars. His wife chased him out with a golf club. Okay, like your marriage might not be in a good place. But I hope your wife ain't chasing you out of the house with a golf club. And we found out that, man, he had been living a secret life. Something that he thought he was going to be able to keep hidden. I don't know. You know, that's the thing about sin is it's so deceitful. And it'll, it'll take you way further than you ever wanted to go and, and cost you more than you would ever want to pay. And, and that happened. And all of a sudden, he lost everything. He lost his family. Uh, he lost a lot of money. He, he lost his reputation, his integrity. He lost his ranking, for sure. He, he lost everything. He, he lost sponsorships. He, he, and then all of a sudden, now he's just this broken addicted man. Like all of the notoriety and the fame at that point, I promise you, none of that mattered to him. He was just broken. And then you started hearing like, maybe he's going to try to come back. And then all the people that were singing his praises when he was doing well in his career, all of a sudden they're naysayers. Like, ah, he'll never come back. There's no way. There's no way he'll even win another tournament. He'll never win a major. There's no way that he can do this. And early on, I mean, it looked like they might have been right. Like, he wasn't playing that great. He wasn't doing that well. I think one of the reasons why we like good comeback stories is we like them even more when there's a lot of haters. You know, when there's a lot of people saying, there's just no way. There's just no way. And I think all of a sudden, when you start hearing that, you start pulling for whoever they're hating on, like, Maybe they will, though. Maybe they will. And then he did. And then he did. Man, I love a good comeback story. Here's the deal, though. Whether you like golf or hate golf or whatever, like Tiger Woods, don't like him, you may not even know who I'm talking about. But you like a good comeback story. You like a good comeback story. Well, Easter is the greatest comeback story of all time. And we can think about it from the standpoint of what Jesus did, how he came back. But you have to understand it wasn't for him. It's your comeback story. That's the opportunity that we have at Easter. The opportunity to see it as my opportunity, my comeback story. It says in Luke 9.22, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. Anybody in the house ever felt rejected by religious people before? I know I have. He'll be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Jesus predicted his death, his resurrection. He had done it many times before. This wasn't the first time that he had said this. But on Easter, we've got to remember this. On Easter, we're celebrating way more than a bunny and eggs and jelly beans, and chocolate. Yes, even more than Cadbury cream eggs, even though they are amazing, okay? But we are celebrating way more than any of those things. We are celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we have to remember this, please. This is something that you could miss. You could, you, could, you could be one of those people that come to, to service every Easter. It may be one of the only times that you come to church. But maybe you've never truly grasped this. That when Jesus rose from the grave, he was thinking about you. You, personally. He saw your life. He knew your story already. He rose for you. He defeated death for you. He would have done it all just for you, just for you. I think there's some amazing realities in the resurrection of Jesus, and I want to look at a couple of those. First of all, the resurrection releases doubt. The resurrection releases doubt. One of the things that we might say at Easter is you'll either think that Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And I think that's that's what a lot of people have to choose. Like, is this whole thing just like the biggest hoax? Or was, did Jesus exist, but he wasn't really who he said he was? Or was he who he said he was? For three years, Jesus had been telling the disciples, guys, this is coming. This is happening. Like, I'm, I'm going to die. Don't worry. I'm going to come back. I'm going to raise from the, and, and they kept hearing this. I don't understand. Like, I don't know if they're just like, yeah, right, whatever, Jesus, come on. You're the Savior, the Messiah. There's no way that's all going to happen. And then it does happen, and they're just, like, devastated, paralyzed in fear. And some of them overwhelmed in doubt. And one of the most pessimistic of all the disciples was a man named Thomas. Anybody that was raised in church, we, we learned about him, doubting Thomas. That's what we called him, doubting Thomas. He was very paranoid about the story of the resurrection. He wasn't just going to believe it because everybody was saying it. He was a doubter. But you know what? I like Thomas. I like Thomas because he was just honest. He was honest about his lack of belief in the whole deal. You have to understand this. The stone was not rolled away from the tomb so that Jesus could get out. Like he didn't have an issue with going through natural materials. The stone was rolled away so that people could look in to see that he wasn't there anymore. And that just shows God's heart for the doubters. That just shows that God has grace for the doubters, for the people that would question the whole thing. He knew that there was going to be some people that were going to need to actually see and understand. and Maybe you're like that. Maybe you just you have a few more questions. This is what it says in John twenty twenty four. Now Thomas, called Didymus, which was his onstage rapper name, I think, uh, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples turns like, man, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, look, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I can put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Unless I can see this, touch it, feel this. Look, everyone is different. We're all wi- wired in different ways. And some of you, when you receive Jesus, man, you threw yourself in the arms of your savior. It wasn't hard for you. It's just like, I'm ready, let's do this. But some of you, you gotta pull things apart a little more first. Anybody ever like that growing up? Maybe you have a kid like that. They had to pull things apart to understand how they worked. Like you had a perfectly working DVD machine and all of a sudden it not working anymore because somebody decided they needed to take it apart to figure out how it all works. When it comes to technology, I'm not like that. I just want it to work. I like it when it's working. And when it's not working, I'm wondering why why isn't it working? Somebody needs to fix this. Some of you, man, you're geared that way. You're geared technologically, where you can just figure things out. Some of you can take a roll of duct tape and like a toilet paper roll and like wrap it in some copper and make a radio. And I say, good for you. But just so you know, we're probably not gonna be very close because I don't work that way. I just want things to work. And I appreciate that. But I think honestly, all of us have been in a place at one point or another where we've put Some tough questions to God. I think every person in this room, if you were really honest, even if you're a born-again believer and a follower of Christ, there's been times that you have had doubt. I bet there's people in this room right now where you've said things like this. Okay, God, I will give you my life, but you need to give me a sign. I bet there's people in this room that you've said, I will believe, but as soon as I understand, I'll believe. And some of you have said, God, if you will do this for me, then I'll live for you. And some people look at that with a religious heart and say, well, that's doubting God. But I'm here to tell you that it is in the Bible that he loves doubters. And he meets them. He knows what they need. I think some of us might have believed that, that Jesus was hurt by Thomas's doubt. But I don't think so. I think Easter is for those who just haven't believed yet. 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 In John 20, 26, it says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked and Jesus could came and stood among them, And said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See, he already knew everything that Thomas had said. Like he is he's doing it verbatim of everything that Thomas said, unless I do this, unless I do this. And so Jesus, like, okay, all right. Okay. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. I wonder if Jesus was ticklish. (laughs) Side note stop doubting and believe now some of us when we look at that you may think and maybe because of the way you were raised or maybe because of some mean Sunday school teacher you had or or some preacher that just liked to yell and scream at you you might read that last phrase and think it's a rebuke you might read it and say like well stop doubting and believe but it isn't a rebuke. It's not stop doubting. Hell is hot. (laughs) No, it's, can you now see how much I love you? Can you now see what I did for you? You can stop doubting and believe. And then the rest of this is He says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now understand, he had said my Lord before. He'd called Jesus Lord because that was the phrase. That was what you would call somebody that you understood was an authority, but he had never called him God before. I love that. Because what I've noticed in life is sometimes the biggest doubters, when they finally meet with Jesus, they have some of the strongest convictions about the power of God and what God can do. I love that. And that's exactly where some of you are at. You may still be doubting. You you may still be wanting to pull things apart a little more. And I just want to encourage you. God can handle your questions. God can handle your doubt. And he wants to meet with you right where you are and give you exactly what you need a lot of us are just wired to ask a lot of questions. Anybody remember the why phase of your kids? Like when they were asking a ton of questions just all the time, just incessantly, just like, why, why, what, why, what, why, why, what? And every once in a while, they might ask like really embarrassing questions. Like when you're in public places in a really loud voice, like anybody ever have a kid, maybe be at the store with you, and they're like, hey, daddy, why does that man look like he's pregnant like a mommy? Like they may, they may ask something like that. Maybe one of your kids heard you tell your wife that she's sexy. And they're like, dad, why? Why? And you're like, eat your dinner. <laughs> it's none of your business. Out of all of our kids, the number one question asker is our youngest, Grayson. That girl just wants to be in the know. She's just always asking why. And then she will make statements like she is fully informed about all things. So she'll make statements about things and be completely convinced and it'll be completely off, completely wrong. Like she'll be over there with our new puppy and have that puppy so wrapped tight up in a blanket, head, everything covered like a burrito. And we're like, baby, I don't think the puppy likes that. And she's like, no, puppies like this. This is good for puppies. We're like, no, you don't know. Every once in a while, though, she'll ask me a question that I'm like, this is great. Like, she, I could actually educate her right now. I could actually give her some information. So she could be like, Dad, why is the sky blue? I'm like, baby. The reason why the sky is blue is because blue light is scattering through air molecules up in the atmosphere, and we're seeing blue. And the reason why we're seeing the blue light is because the blue light on all the spectrum of the colors of light on the spectrum, it has the shortest wavelengths. And so that's why we're seeing blue instead of one of the other colors of light as it reflects through the air molecules. And you know what she says after that? Why? (laughs) And then I'm just like, I don't know nothing. Stop asking me. God never is going to get impatient with you asking why. He doesn't mind it. Because he knows that when you're in the place of asking, that's where his spirit works the best. Because it's still open. Some of you are here right now and you are a self-proclaimed agnostic. Maybe a self-proclaimed atheist. But here's the deal. You're here. You're here. And I think if you were really, really honest, the reason why you're here is because you're still asking. You're still asking. And I believe that that Jesus is here to meet with you. Some of you have had incredibly close people to you, people that you love say that there is no God, that they don't believe in God. You might think because I'm a pastor and I'm in the ministry that my kids are just walking around all the time like these spiritual juggernauts, like we just have a lot of faith and they're walking around and laying hands on people for them to be healed and every day they wake up and saying, we're just going to storm the gates of hell with a water pistol today. Come on, we got all kinds of confidence. But the truth is this, even a couple of my kids have struggled in their faith. They've said some really hurtful things before, usually because we just grounded them away from technology or, or took away a privilege or something like that. And every time we, we discipline our kids, there's always prayer involved. We're always going to wrap it up in prayer. And so we'll say, all right, but well, we're going to pray now. One of our kids a little while back, they said, there is no God. Uh-oh. Okay, well, I'm going to talk to God and you can just listen. And the reason why they say it is cuz they're trying to hurt us because their feelings are hurt because they just got disciplined. But here's the deal. They're young still. And some of you have had grown children that have said the same kinds of things and it and it hurts. And you could get anxious. And you could get fearful. And you could be confused. And I just want to encourage you. God loves working with doubters. God loves working, with, and you can trust God. Keep praying, keep believing. But God is gonna show up. He's gonna reveal Himself to them. I believe that. Another part of the resurrection is it reverses death. It reverses death. And that's important because some of you, you might feel like there's some dead things in your life. You might feel like you used to have a dream, but that dream is dead, and now you're too old and you're not worthy to even have a dream. Maybe you feel like your dream's dead. Maybe you feel like your marriage is dead. Like there's just been way too many ugly, nasty things that have been said, too many knockdown, down, drag out fights and arguments, too many times that we've fallen asleep at night on opposite ends of the bed, refusing to even look or touch each other. It's just too far gone, it is dead. Or maybe you feel like a relationship with one of your kids is dead because you pushed them too far away or they pushed you too far away. Or maybe you feel like just your soul is dead, like you have no peace, no joy, no hope, no confidence whatsoever. Maybe you feel like your character's dead because you messed up, man. You made a huge mistake, and a lot of people know about it, and so there's just no way that you could ever get your name back. There's no way that you could ever get your integrity back. Maybe you feel like just your emotions and your passions are dead. Maybe because of loss and heartache. I don't know. But I wanna let you know if there is any area of your life that feels dead, you are a prime candidate for the power of God. Because God loves to show up where things are dead and bring them back to life. Because at one point or another, the truth is, in all of our lives, there's gonna come a time when it's just too much. We can't carry everything, we can't handle everything. And sometimes people say, well, God just would never give me more than I can handle. I don't think that that's true. I think God is in the business of giving people way more than they can handle, so they have to trust him. I think he's in the business of bringing things sometimes to a point or at least allowing things to come to a point in our lives when we say, man, this doesn't seem like there's any hope so that when he raises it from the dead, there is no doubt that he gets all the glory. There's no doubt who we can have faith in and who we can trust in. And I wanna let you know if there's anything that is dead in your life, God is ready to reverse it. God is ready not just to bring it back to where it was, but he's ready to stack on top of it blessings like you could never imagine and it's never too late, and it's never been too long, and you're never too old. Study Moses. There's plenty of examples in the Bible of people that were well along, and God still used them and did their most impactful work in the later years of their life. God wants to bring that dream back to life. It says in Acts 2.24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible For death to keep its hold on him. And I want you to know that over your own life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it is impossible for death to keep its grip on any area of your life. It has to release. This is talking about the grip of sin too, the death of sin. And some of you feel that way. It's like, man, you don't know what's going on. Maybe it's a secret sin maybe it's so shameful and embarrassing that not even the closest people to you know about it, but it's killing you. And I want you to know that when you bring that before God, when you confess those things, and yeah, even when you confess it to the people that, that you think it's gonna hurt the most, I promise you that in that moment, God's grace is gonna show up. And even though it may feel dead, he's gonna bring life out of it if you let him. The other thing about the resurrection is it restores love, it restores love. And the awesome thing about God's love, it is retroactive. Meaning when you commit your heart to the Lord, it's like he forgives and shows you love now, but his love goes backwards too. It covers everything, covers everything from your past too. It's not just for now. It's not just for the past either. It's actually for the future too. It's retroactive and it's amazing. That's when your story becomes a testimony. All of a sudden you go from a place of heartache and every time you think about that hurt and every time you think about that shame or that past or that thing that person did to you, instead of it causing hurt and pain and shame and discouragement and depression, all of a sudden when you receive the love and grace of Jesus, you see things through a different perspective. And all of a sudden you can look back over the course of your life and see God's hand working even when you didn't see it, and you can see his love covering things, and that's how you're able to forgive, and that's how you're able to release, and that's how you're able to walk in freedom, because his love is retroactive. Anybody ever had a, a favorite sports team or something, and they were going to be playing a game, and you knew that you were going to miss it, you weren't going to get to watch it live, and so you recorded it on TV? Anybody ever had that before? You, you, nobody? Nobody's ever watched a recorded game before in their life. Okay, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, you helping me out here. Here's the deal, though. If you did that and then some jerk came along and told you the outcome of the game before you got to watch it, that ticks you off, right? I'm like, come on, man. I didn't get to watch it. But you're a little more happy you find out your team won. You're like, oh, that's good news. You're still a jerk for telling me. But I'm glad they won. But here's the deal. Even if you know the outcome, you know your team won, guess what? You're still gonna go home and watch it, right? And as you're watching it, and as the other team starts to run up the score, it starts to beat your team. And there's this huge disparity between the score, their score and your team's score. You don't mind. In fact, you like it even more because you know there's getting ready to be a comeback. You're getting ready to watch your team come back and win the whole thing. That is a picture of Easter. We already know the outcome. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how big the gap is that you think that there is or somebody else told you that there was between where you are and where God is. Easter closes the gap and you get the comeback. That's what Jesus did for you. And some of you may feel like, well, yeah, well, maybe i felt that before, but now I've made so many mistakes, like I can't even count how many mistakes. Well, I'll go to another sports analogy. Who's I could talk very easily about the greatest basketball planet that has ever lived on the planet and his name is Michael Jordan. Prove me wrong. Go ahead. I got the mic though, so I get to say it. But here's the deal. Even at Michael Jordan's best, even at his best, he was shooting 50%. 50% of his shots were going in. At his best, 50%. But the team that he was on understood like, hey, he may miss the first one, but if he gets the ball again, he's gonna make the second one. So what they do, they went out and got this really unique guy named Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman came in there and rebound the ball because they knew, man, if we can just get somebody that can get the ball back and give it back to Michael, we're gonna win a lot of games. We're gonna win a lot of championships. Jesus is the greatest rebounder that has ever existed on the planet. And you may be shooting and maybe even at your best, you're shooting 50%, but a lot of you are just throwing up air balls. You're missing like crazy. But you got Jesus standing under the rim for you. And every time he gets that rebound, he's throwing it back out to you. And you may think, yeah, but how many times? And maybe two, three, you name it. I don't care how many rebounds you're talking about. He's gonna keep getting it and he's gonna keep throwing it back to you to give you another chance to shoot. But the bottom line is this. The truth is this. None of us are good enough. And even if you're shooting 50%, the price of heaven is 100%. And none of you have it. But Jesus makes you 100%. Jesus did it. So you can just block out every lie from the pit of hell that makes you believe that somehow you're the exception to the rule. When he said it's finished, he was talking about what you think separates you. It's for you. It says in Romans 8:37, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. And now I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when you read that scripture, it could be like kind of redundant. Like here and there and over there and over here. God just wants you to understand all the dimensions of his love. He wants you to understand how long is his love. It doesn't matter how far into your past or where you are right now and into eternity, his love is long. How wide is it? There's no place you could ever go. It doesn't matter how dark of a place you've been in life. There's no place his love hasn't been. How deep is it? You may feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel. You're in the deepest pit you've ever been in your life and I promise you his love reaches infinitely deeper than where you're at right now. How high? I don't care what you've done, who you did it with or how long you were doing it. God's love can still reach you if you'll let it. God is here to meet with you. And he loves you. He loves you. You have an opportunity for a comeback story. But it's the same choice you have every Easter. Some of you are, you're walking in it. Some of you, this has just been something that you do. It's been a part of your routine. It's been a part of your family's routine. I think today could be different. I think some of you, it's not that when you... You come and you hear the gospel and you hear about Jesus. It's it's not actually that you're consciously choosing to say, I want to be separated from God for eternity. But some of you might be saying, you know what, I can get right tomorrow. I can get right next week. But I say today is the day of your salvation. Please don't go any further. Don't go any longer. Let's close your eyes and bow our heads. When you study lifeguards, one of the things you understand is they will train them that when they're going out to rescue someone, when they're going out to help somebody who's, who's drowning, who's struggling, they say you cannot rescue them until they're ready to be rescued. And so they'll actually train them. You can get close to them, but don't go in to try to help them. Don't go in to try to help them until they're ready. And so they'll train them to actually ask, are you ready to be rescued? And until that person surrenders, until the person stops struggling, they can't rescue them. I think that is such a great picture for exactly where some of you are at right now. The Holy Spirit is near and he is ready. But he gave us free will. He gave us the ability to choose. And he's just waiting on you to say, I am ready to be rescued. I'm ready. And if you're here today and you've never done that, you've never... Surrendered. You've never just truly believed in your heart that Jesus is who he says that he is. He did what he said he would do. He did it. He did it. If you've never accepted him, maybe you did, but you're away from him. You just know you're away from God. You have no confidence in your salvation and what eternity holds for you. I wanna give you an opportunity to experience the resurrection what it's all about, what he did. If you're here today and you would just be willing to confess that and admit that, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I do wanna give you a chance just to respond. And I would love to include you in this prayer. If you're here today and you know you're away from God and you're ready to come back to him, you're ready to call on him as your savior, as your Lord, If that's you, please put your hand up right now. Across this room, as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Yes, ma'am, thank you so much. Yes, got it, got it. Yes, got it, thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? I need a savior. I'm away from God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Thank you, I'm so proud of you guys. God's gonna honor it, got it. Anybody else? I need a savior. I'm away from him. I need to come back to him. Anybody else? This is the most important thing that we do and I don't wanna rush it. Thank you. I just wanna give you a chance. You may be wrestling with it. I promise you, as soon as you make the decision, man, you are gonna feel the grace of God hit your life like you have never experienced before. Anybody else? Okay. All right. I'm so thankful for all those hands. Look, the word says when you believe in your heart and confess, with your mouth and you can be saved and it's important that you tell somebody about this decision you let them know as soon as this service is over let them know I'd encourage you to get water baptized it's one of the ways that we symbolize that we're a Christ follower and we'll tell you more about an opportunity we have coming next week but right there in your chair let's just talk to God let's just be honest with him let's just be honest with him and say heavenly father here's my life and I know that I've made more mistakes than I can count and I can't understand it. There's no logical sense to how you could love somebody like me, how you could forgive all the things that I've done. But right now, I, I have the faith to believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me. Thank you for saving me from my sin. But I also, I, I don't wanna live the way I've been living. I know that I, You can't save me unless I I give you control. And so I I confess you as my Lord. And I wanna stop and turn away from living for the world, living by my own will, my own power, and I wanna start trusting you. So I repent, I repent, help me God, help me. I have some questions still. I don't understand it all, but I, I trust that you're gonna help me by your spirit. Help me to understand your word. Help me to understand my purpose in you. I thank you for that. I also just wanna declare something over every person in this room. I wanna declare some victory over you. I declare that your family is blessed with God's supernatural wisdom and that you have clear direction for your life. I declare that every stronghold be broken over you because of the power of the cross. I pray that the full awareness of the same power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. I declare that everyone in your household is blessed with an obedient heart, with a faithful view and with favor in their life. I declare that any negative or evil word that has ever been spoken against you is broken and not received in Jesus' name. I declare that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not beneath and that whatever you put your hands to will be blessed in Jesus' name. And I declare that the light of God shines on you like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I declare that when the enemy comes against you or your family, that it has to scatter in seven different directions. I declare that the gates of hell cannot prevail against you and that you are blessed and you're coming in and you're going out and that victory in Jesus Christ is yours all the days of your life. God, we receive it. We're thankful for it. Help us to to demonstrate it in every area of our lives for your grace, for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's praise God in this place.